In this Valentine's Day episode, we invite our guests to share their thoughts on love. We discuss what we've learned about love and how it affects our relationships in recovery. You hear from sober influencer Amber, Jared Blaine, host of the Blacklist podcast, and sober influencer Jennifer about how their understanding of love has changed as they've worked on healing and understanding themselves. Each of us walked away with a new understanding of love, and we know you will too. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Julie and Steve. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full there's no space left for alcohol. Before we dive into the episode, we want to make sure that you know about our Monday night Zoom support group. If you've had a bad experience at a meeting before, if you're ready to dig in to emotional sobriety, if you could use some real connection, our growing tribe might just be the place for you. It's free. There's no commitment. Just stop by and see what you think. I'm pretty sure you'll love it. You can get more information by visiting our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com. All right. Hello. I am so excited to be here today, and I'm going to introduce or have everybody introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Miss Amber, who has become a very good friend of ours over the last several months and really excited to have you on the podcast finally. So, yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, my name is Amber. I uh, just celebrated two years of sobriety on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is my sober date. So I'm about 25 months now. And, um, you know, in those two years, I wasn't really focusing on my recovery the way that I now understand that that I am now, that I'm that I'm focused on it now. So I've been in recovery for two years, but it's really only been the last six months where I've really understood what recovery is and what it is that I'm recovering from. And so, and that's around the time, you know, I found you guys and I'm so excited because you guys have been an integral part of that, of that recovery. Um, and really just asking the hard questions and and talking about the real stuff that happens in recovery. So I'm so excited about this topic. <laughs> it's funny because I was like, did you guys handpick this for me? I, you know, in, and when I say like I've only been really focused on my recovery in the last six months, it's because the first 15 months of my recovery, I was in a relationship and I was in a relationship with another alcoholic. And so it's really only been the last like six months or so that I've been focused on myself. But but not so much because I still have struggled with some relationships in that time. So yeah, I thought this was handpicked for me, but I'm I'm excited to really talk about this topic. So let's uh, let's do it. Even though sure. we know you, we're not picking on you. I know. <laughs> we'll pick. No, on, we promise. I'll, we'll pick on you on Monday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a good time to plug our Monday night meetings. Yeah. By the way, we a bunch of us get together on Zoom and hang out. 
And that's where we met Amber. Actually, she showed up and she's been coming ever since the first time she showed up. So that's a plug for for the meetings. If anybody's interested here or any of our listeners, we hang out on Mondays and we actually have a blast. So anyway, super, super happy to have you. And yeah, it's completely random where you end up on the list and what topic you get. So really glad that you're looking forward to it. I'd be sad if you were like, I hate this topic. It's terrible. (laughs) I am the universe, I guess. Um, It's the universe and it's thing because it's again, it's it's forefront for me in my recovery right super cool yeah the universe works its its magic a lot of times with these groups of people so i'm gonna ask jared to introduce himself next i'm really happy to have you we steve and i actually both have recently been on jared's podcast so it is super cool to have you here with us today thank you i first off thank you for having me on here excuse me my name is jared I am the host of the Blacklist podcast, and I, like Julie said, I've been grateful to have Steve and Julie on there. Episodes have not dropped yet, but they will be coming next month. But um, I'm just, I'm grateful to be here. I'm uh, five years in recovery. Um, I I just dedicate my life to wanting to help other people that were lost like myself. And at the end of the day, that's 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 what I do. That's what I focus. So I take every chance that I get to be able to speak and and be able to connect with other people in recovery. So thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. For being here. And I will remind all of our listeners, I think they probably know this by now, but all of the links for, for these people and for Jared's podcast and everything else, they're going to be in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. You can get in touch and and watch what he's doing because he's working an amazing, amazing project right now. Thank you. And last but not least is Jennifer. And I just have to say, we have followed you on Instagram. You are one of the very first accounts we ever followed when we got Instagram. And I am so excited to finally like hang out with you face to face. I can't even tell you how pleased I am. So thank you for being here. Oh, wow. Well, what an introduction. <laughs> I'm telling you, as soon as I was like, Julia, I just got drop kick sober. And she was like, no way. And I was like, for real? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, my God, I can't wait. Man, I might cry. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, today is 877 days sober for me. And my name is Jennifer. And uh, yeah, uh, really early on in my uh, sobriety, I just like found the sober community on Instagram. And it just basically went from there. Yeah, really, just- really cool. Yeah, the topic I was uh, I was a little thrown by the topic, but then considering when it's coming out it makes perfect sense that the episode is about what it is. So, yeah, really excited. Cool. Well, we're really happy to have you. Thank you so much for being here and super excited to actually get to hang out with you. So since this is the Valentine's episode, it seems only fitting that we make this the love episode. Love shows up in so many different ways and different areas of our lives. And I think it's something that can be tricky to navigate when you can't numb any of the emotions that come with it. So let's talk about it. How do you define love? How has that changed since you've gotten sober? And what have you learned about love that you can share with our listeners? And I should clarify, this doesn't necessarily only mean romantic love. Love shows up in our lives in all kinds of different ways and places. So feel free to dive in with whatever your thoughts and your experiences are. The interesting topic, definitely. It's like one of the squirmy topics, right? Yeah. There's a few of those. <laughs> 
Oh, I'll uh, I'll jump in here. So, yeah. So, <laughs> interestingly enough, I I just came back from a quick little trip up to Maine, um, which is about four and a half hours for me, and um, I got to visit with a dear friend of mine who moved up there right around the time that I got sober. She has since, you know, met the man of her dreams and she just had a baby. And so it was really great to see her because I shared, you know, this this upcoming podcast with her. And, um, you know, one of the things, because I always immediately go to relationships and which is sort of the reason why this topic is, you know, so, so poignant for me is that's just like where my mind goes because it's just it's been a part of my identity forever, forever. You know, I am a serial relationship person. You know, I've I've been in a relationship of some sort or another since I was in high school. And, you know, honestly, really could, ne- could never say that I've been single, per se, for more than a, a few months. And so that's really been my identity. But interestingly enough, she brought up, you know, it's not just about your relationships that, you know, love and how you express it and how you understand it, you know, from her perspective has changed in regards to my relationship with her um, and how I show up differently now for her. And and I, I listened. That was one of the first things that she said, you know, when we had talked shortly after I'd gotten sober and she just stopped me and she was like, you know, this is the first time we've been able to have a conversation where I really felt like you were listening, where you weren't just talking about yourself, you know, because for so long it was it was always I think I crafted my relationships. Um, I definitely crafted my my intimate relationships, you know, around what others could provide for me. And, you know, recently I had heard something, you know, it's a Buddhist uh, belief on love is that, you know, when it's about what you are doing or not doing to make me happy, you know, that's that's attachment. That's I need this and you're not providing it or I need this, you know, and what you're doing is not making me happy versus somebody just being who they are and just loving them anyways. And not and not needing them to fill a void and not needing them to somehow heal parts of yourself that somebody else hurt. Right. And so a little bit of my backstory is, you know, I grew up, I'm an only child. My parents met out in California in the 80s and um, they were both from here and they got together and they had me. And the story goes, my mother was told she couldn't have children. And so I was the miracle child. But my coming into this world, I grew up to sort of understand that that meant a lot of pain for for my mother, especially the sacrifices she had to make and being with my father. My parents did not love each other. I think they they crafted a symbiotic relationship. They stayed together for my entire upbringing, you know, until I moved out of the house the first chance I could. And then even still afterwards. And so, you know, love wasn't modeled to me. And, you know, I remember just being so conflicted of like, you know, you go to church and it's, you know, until death do you part, you know, this constitution of marriage. And and so I think I just always had this idea that like love was just giving all of yourself to somebody else and to just no matter what, you know, you stuck by their side, no matter what they did, no matter what they said, you know, and. And now 
I think that that's changed and, and I've come to understand it as that, you know, to love somebody, I think is to just, it's to just say like, I see you for who you are and, and I choose to be a part of your life. Like I choose to witness your life and I choose to celebrate, you know, who you are as opposed to this notion that's just like, it doesn't matter how bad it gets or what happens, you know, you just have to give all of yourself to someone else. So I definitely have been learning the difference between love versus attachment. And for me, I have very much spent my entire life being attached to the idea of love, to this sort of romantic ideal. And now I'm realizing that like, I just, I would keep finding partners that had struggles and had issues that no amount of my love was going to heal. And so that just kept perpetuating the self-fulfilling prophecy of finding people that I thought I could save by loving them more than they loved themselves. And now I know that's not the case. I know that in order to be with somebody, I feel, I believe now, you you have to love yourself more than the other person loves you. Because if not, you know, you're, you're, you just keep taking from this, you know, this, the pot really. And, and there's nothing that I, I can't heal somebody else just by loving them. That's work they have to do on their own. That's work I have to do on my own. And my expectations that someone else is going to come along and just, you know, magically heal the parts of myself that my relationship with my mother created, that's unrealistic. And I can't expect anybody to ever fill that void. So now it's become, you know, I've in the last six months, I've actually embraced my solitude. I've embraced creating a space that is, you know, that that just makes me feel good when I come home. And in a relationship, if that person can't bring more of that to my life, if that person can't bring more peace than I'm learning to bring for myself, then it's kind of like, okay, you know, we're good. I don't think we really, you know, you're cool, but like, I've, I'm okay. And that's the biggest thing for me is learning how to be okay on my own. And if I meet somebody, it's got to be they add value to my life or they add something, you know, to my life. And so, yeah, it's been an interesting journey for sure. But it really is fun. (laughs) Hard. It's hard. Especially when you talk about love, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because that's that comes right from the heart, even if it's misplaced. Yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. I mean, learning about myself and learning who I am and and what I even need. You know, it's like I I thought I needed X, Y, and Z, and now I'm discovering. Hey, you know what? I don't really need that. Not from somebody else. I can I can give that to myself. Like I don't need to seek that somewhere else. So that's that's been something big that I've learned is the idea that love is filling needs, right? Like I I finally sat down when I first quit drinking and I started working on authenticity. That's been my my big foundation was figuring out, like you said, who the hell I even am because I had no idea. And then I came across the concept of emotional needs and I started like hashing that out. What do I actually need emotionally? And we tend to try to get those from other people. 
And that's normal. And we need connection and we need relationships. And, you know, we do need other people in our lives and they do meet some of those needs. But at, at the end of the day, it's our job to meet our own needs. If that person can help us with that, that's awesome. My problem was like, I would stop my feet and demand that my husband meet this need that I have. But he didn't even know how. He didn't have the capacity. He didn't, that just wasn't a part of who he was. And I would get mad and think it was his fault. And it's very much my responsibility to figure out how my needs are going to be met. It's not my responsibility to demand of other people that they do it. And that's not a lack of love. It's not a lack of him loving me, right? It's just some people have some capabilities and some capacities and some don't. And that's where I'm at. I'll be honest with you. Like, I was a little worried about this topic just because I'm I'm sure, you know, I'm, I don't know if Steve feels the way as the same way, but as as a man, it it it's hard to show that form of emotion. I'm not saying like every man, but but like for like you like you were saying about your husband, you know, that um you felt that, you know, it wasn't meeting in a certain need. And like for me, like growing up, that was an issue for me was I never we are going to take a quick break in production here to let you know Through the Glass Recovery is more than just a podcast. We offer tons of free resources to help support your recovery. We host weekly support meetings. We offer a free private Facebook group dedicated to supporting one another's sobriety. And we have a weekly newsletter full of resources, articles, and information to keep you heading in the right direction. And if you're ready to take your recovery a step further, we offer affordable one-on-one coaching as well. Visit our website to learn more about scheduling a call with Julie or myself. We would love to sit down with you at no charge and see how we can best support your journey to recovery. Visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com for more information about everything we offer. I was never taught like, love you know different things like the you know i had a really traumatic and you know childhood and whatnot and 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 yeah even though like my 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 mom loved me i was never shown what love looks like or how how it is so you know i got i got married at 18 because my my well my ex-wife like she got pregnant and like so we got married right out the rip and we were we were married for 12 years and we had three kids together and then we got divorced and it was like it took like my whole marriage to learn how to somewhat to love. And, and even then, like, even after we got divorced and like into my new relationship, you know, I've been with Brianna a year and a half and there's times where it's like, I realize, like, wow, like I definitely can learn a lot more on about love and about how to, you know, react and how to just, because love is more than just, everybody knows love is more than just an emotion. Okay. There's a lot when it comes to love. I'm not, religious by any means you know i grew up in church this and that but i'm not religious but you know you i'm sure anyone's ever heard the first corinthians quote ever now and then you know that love never fails you know love is patient love is kind and 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 that's something that i like to hold on to because i do realize that it is more than just an emotion like there's 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 an action that comes out of it as well um but just because somebody is good at showing it one way than they are the other doesn't mean that they love you any less it just means that that's why there's the five love languages. That's why there's different things. It's because we all show love and different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but for me, it was a problem. And and there's even, even now, I mean, I'm 
my I'm going to be 35 on Wednesday and I'm still like I'm like do I really know how to love properly like I try I try my best but I did a lot of crap you know and I put my ex-wife through a lot of hell and and I'm like trying never not to make those same mistakes or be the same person I was then but of course I was an active addiction right there you're trying yeah like I see it I go to therapy I do all that and you're trying and you're learning and you're willing to be open and honest and try and figure it out like understanding what my love language is and and actually being able to I was always the person that everything that I liked was because you told me that I liked it and then that's where all of my validation came from so I was just what you thought or Julie thought or Jennifer thought I was like if you if I did something and I was good at wow you're good at that you're right you should do this and you know okay cool that's what I'm gonna go and do and it's not like a it was never a decision that I made and so trying loving myself really difficult because I'm just doing stuff for everyone else I was the giver too I was the one who like I thought love was saving someone loving them more filling their needs saying yes all the time not arguing doing all of those things to keep the peace right if i and and if i failed at that i was just i just it was wrong so that was really hard for me like love was very much an attachment thing like what amber was saying and to separate those two because love, like you said, Jared, is an action. Is very much an action. The feelings come from doing the action, I think. That emotion, that the, the willingness to give. And I, one of the things that was really hard to learn was I can love from far away. I, I can still love you while you're not here, right? By respecting that person or sometimes protecting my own space like i can as well oh, the first time i read rewired and i read the part about leaving in love like i can leave you in respect right and i can still love you because we're not meant for each other this relationship isn't going to work or whatever that may be but i can still do that with heart and without resentment and stuff like which hard as hell like jared you're saying it's a learning thing i think learning to love is a lifelong process i'm gonna change the person that i'm going to have a relationship whether it's a friendship or romantic or otherwise they're gonna change and i think love is having that hard conversation and figuring out where to meet each other and love is also not conditional either. Like love, love, that's the one thing that that I see that a lot of people. It's like they love you, but only when this and only when that and and this that and the third. And it's like if you have to love on condition, like I think we really need to reevaluate because if you're gonna love, you're gonna love fully and wholeheartedly, and it's gonna be unconditional, like. You know, it's cliche to say it, you know, love unconditionally and this and that, but but it's it's truth. 
and it's the fact. And that's just something that I'm like, okay, so you love me when I'm when things are great, but she don't when things are bad, you know. And, and that's just kind of like that's when you got to reevaluate it. Like, is this love or what is this? Because well, and that can be parental too. You can grow up with the understanding from your parents. The the parent your parents can give you the message, I love you when you do the right thing. And then just through, not through their words, but through their reaction, if you get in trouble, if you make a mistake, if you're bad, whatever it is, they can give you the message that they don't love you. And to grow up with that belief that love is conditional in that way, I think really shapes the way you go into adulthood, whether that's with your own family or with it, whether it's romantic or whatever it is. As soon as you feel that sense of rejection, yeah that, that's then, big for me yeah i'm gonna let jennifer talk now because she's been sitting here silently mm-hmm. and i want to hear what she has to say well i've only been sitting here silently because my adhd medication works and the way that it makes <laughs> me not talk over people as much as uh, i would just get so excited and be like i want to add and it's like settle down basically my ADHD medication is just enough to be shh shh let them talk so that's actually been really helpful I wasn't able to get diagnosed um until I was sober so that's a all the good things come when you get sober but I met my husband when I was in a really good place long before I got sober but I was in a it was before the drinking got really problematic like it was still like manageable and I think that is why we've been able to navigate going into real hard times in our relationship one-sided. And he would never say that. He would say, oh, he's been a great wife all the way through because he's basically a saint. But anyway, yeah, I've noticed like, yeah, just just the fact of, um, well, what Amber was saying about uh, not having a good um, model for for um like my parents also did not love each other i didn't meet my dad till i was 17 um just because they were never together my parents were on course together in borden and uh that is how i came to be which is a very strange story to know about yourself like that's not and i know they didn't love each other because that's just yeah so anyway like, I'm very lucky that my grandparents modeled it very well. Like, you could tell they were just... You could never get a picture of my grandparents looking at the camera because they'd always be looking at each other. And it would just be, like, adorable. I always thought that was great. But so that was my model, not my parents. And as close as I am with my mother, she was also an alcoholic when I was growing up and very emotionally unavailable right up until I was an adult. But, yeah... For me, love is the most intimate, physical, emotional, spiritual relationship that you can have with anybody. And it's just, it requires a level of presence that I didn't have when I was drinking. Mm-hmm. That's why they say love is hard, right? Anything, anything we do that's hard is worth it, right? Yeah. See, I said it, right? Anything you do that's hard is worth it. Love is hard. Mm. It's also really worth it. Like the the payback from it 
And even though it's unconditional and you're not expecting the payback, the payback from it's amazing too. You get the good moments, the crappy moments, and everything that's in between. And I think the one thing that's really awesome about love in general, whether it's with friends or it's with yourself, or I, I can't really say with yourself, but it's shared. You share that and give with without that condition and just show up, mm-hmm. which we've all had to learn the hard way. It's really incredible that we like we could all show up here and have this conversation even this is because it's a matter of the heart this is a big one that's a matter of the heart like i've i've shed a ton of tears broken hearted tears because even alone on my own because this is what i thought love was this is like even when i'm working through like my god this is attachment like if codependency I'm, I'm thinking about it right now if codependency is modeled then i'm gonna grow up looking at love as attachment pretty much plain and simple that just came to me right now thinking about it <laughs> and i'm going oh yep that's for sure uh, yeah i can see where i come from codependency is a huge piece of this for me and i i've said this before so some some people have heard it before but I was recommended over and over to read the book Codependent No More, and I just kept ignoring it because I was like, I am such an independent woman. I don't need to read this book, right? Steve's holding the book up now because I told him he should read it too. Which I have. But I always assumed that I wasn't codependent because I am a very independent person and I'm very capable. And I read that book and I realized that I am completely codependent. And that is what I thought love was for years. And that's not just with my husband. It's with my children, like Amber said, you know, saving them and and fixing them and and making like all I wanted was to make their lives good and easy and and wonderful and and give them the very best. But that's how I felt good about myself, and that's how I felt like we had a connection. And it's completely, it's a completely invalid connection. It doesn't count. It's it's not what you think it is. And recognizing all of my codependent traits has been huge in understanding what love really looks like and being able to show up in ways that are actually meaningful and healthy for both sides. And yeah, that's, I think, anybody struggling with any kind of relationship, not just with a spouse or or a romantic relationship, probably needs to read that book. I had no idea how codependent I really was. The other thing that's come to mind is the idea that Forever, I believed that love meant there was no conflict because I and I think that probably comes from my childhood. Right. When there was conflict in my home, my parents never had conflict. My parents never fought. So I was like, clearly, if you love each other, you don't ever fight or argue. And then when I became a teenager and I did kind of fight and argue with my parents, um, I felt a lot of shame and a lot of bad, you know, and, and I felt unloved. And so then I assumed that conflict meant a lack of love. So then I went into my marriage, like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And I, no matter what, I will not allow there to be any conflict because that means that there isn't love and that's bad. And that's just such a twisted way of thinking of things. And I don't, and it was never conscious, right? These aren't like conscious beliefs where I'm like, like playing it out. Mm-hmm. It's just over this huge course of time that's what I came to believe that love meant. So if there was a conflict, I'm like, I'm no longer loved. 
or or I didn't want to call somebody out on something because I didn't want them to think I don't love them. And so that's been a huge learning piece too, is conflict is an important part of love because we have to work through conflicts to strengthen loving relationships. I, I, I a follow up on that was that I was really big on if like I got into an argument with my girlfriend that if she was mad at me about something, she didn't love me no more. Like, like it was like, because it's that it's like going back to earlier, what Steve was saying was, was the rejection. It was like, you know, me and my last marriage, you know, I mean, for 13 years, it was, we were very, very toxic with each other. And I mean, we fought probably more than we were happy. And it was all the time. It was like, she, I would, you know, bring something up and then I was just constant, it's just constantly rejected on certain things and my feelings and this, that, and the third. And so when I got into this relationship and which was actually a healthy relationship, you know, when we would fight about something, it's, it's just like, oh, you know what? I guess we're breaking up. I'll pack my crap and leave, you know, like I was always a runner. Like that's something I always tried doing. And it took me like a good while before she was like, She's like, what, like, why do you think that? Why do you think because like, I'm get, yeah, I get pretty mad at you. She's like, but why do you think that if I get mad at you, like, we're done, it's over. Like, I don't want to hear that. And and it took her like beating that into my head a lot to really realize like, wow, like love is unconditional. It's not on conditions because I was that way of thinking. It was things are bad. So guess what? I'm packing up and running because that's something in my marriage that like we, we always did, even as a couple. Things got bad at one place. We pack up, move to another state, you know, and that's just the way that it was. So I had to learn that at the end of the day was that you can sit down and have those hard conversations out of uh, out of love. And, and that's just the way that we're going to grow together. Not every hard conversation that we need to have needs to be negative. And you can it agree. took me a while to learn that. Yeah, you can agree to disagree. Right. You can you can find some common ground somewhere. You can do things separately. It's like I had this massive fear of abandonment that I didn't recognize until I got sober. And then so if someone didn't talk to me for an extended period of time, I was just like, yeah, it's over pretty much. I'm like, oh my God, I would need to check in. I would need, got all of these thought things because I just thought they were just never going to show back up again. Like I wouldn't hear from them or whatever it was, or if they had enough time alone in their own head, then they would figure out that I was, I, I was not the person that I was trying to make them think I was. I, like I was going to get found out. I was so used to lying. So all of that is extremely uncomfortable. And then when someone turns around and says, you just got to trust me. And I'm like. That's why love is so scary. What? Yeah. Yeah. And I find it interesting too. Um, Julie, I was listening to you talk and I was like, it's so wild how we can have completely opposite. Like for me, you know, I learned that like I learned how to thrive in chaos. I learned that conflict was, you know, conflict, real conflict was like uh, that's just what was part of love. And that's what was part of being in a relationship. And and I think the hardest part you know, in that is really separating, you know, when we say love is hard, you know, is defining what hard means, because hard doesn't mean just taking abuse and, and, and you know, and, and trying to, like, work on your 
yourself so that you because I started doing that in my last, you know, I, I was in a relationship and then was kind of single and then I met this guy and it was wild and it was, you know, it was like, this is it. Like, this is this is the man of my dreams, the man I'm going to love. And it's like separating that hard from like just behavior that I'm not willing to accept you know, and, and especially that early in a relationship for it to be that hard. And my friends were saying like, it's just, it's just, it's like, it's new and it shouldn't be this hard, you know, this quick. And I'm like, no, but shouldn't it be, you know, it's amazing how we can rationalize how well I can rationalize anything, but it's, but that's what I'm used to. And so chaos for me was normal. And so for me in, when I would get into an argument, you know, being walked away from or, you know, that to me was like, this person doesn't love me. This person doesn't care about me. This person doesn't care about what I have to say. Instead of understanding, like we talk about love language, where some people for their love language is, I need space right now, but also being able to vocalize that you need space right now, not just walking away from the other person. And so, yeah, that's the interesting part for me is just that that fine line between something being difficult and hard and yet there's hope and if you do you know certain things both of you willing as Steve will say if you're a willing participant if you're both willing participants in it you know then things can be hard but they can be gotten through together as a team like you would in a work environment or in a friendship as opposed to it being one-sided one person always doing the work yeah and so for me the 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 learning that quiet and unchaotic isn't boring. <laughs> so that's actually somewhat, you know, healthier than what it's like a, a middle. You can't be all boredom and it can't be all chaos. There has to be this like middle. We've actually done a whole podcast just on the idea that, you know, peace is not boredom. Listening to you talk, I'm going to try to put these words together because this isn't something I've ever actually thought about or put together before. But, you know, I always thought that love meant there shouldn't you shouldn't ever experience pain like emotional pain, right? But that's not how love works. And we do things that hurt one another. It just happens unintentionally, whatever it is. The difference between a loving relationship and a toxic relationship is that if you experience pain, it's also resolved. It's talked about it's resolved. There's an apology. You come back together. You reconnect. It's not just experiencing pain and ignoring it and experiencing pain and ignoring it or, you know, not ignoring it, but being told, yeah, you're wrong. You shouldn't feel that way, whatever it is. In, in a healthy, loving relationship, when pain is experienced, it's then resolved and a reconnection happens. I think that's a really important thing that I've never put together that is probably something that I'm going to need to like journal about now. I love it when we have episodes where I'm like, oh, I need to go journal for a while after this. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, just just a little bit like for me, you know, my relationship with my mother was incredibly tumultuous. And I have been known to say and I either get looked at like I have three heads or somebody understands. It's usually that I look at like I have three heads, but I say like anyone can have a baby but not all women are meant to be mothers. And for my mother, it was, I was more of a friend to her than I was her daughter. And so that's like, I, that's where I grew up 
with this sort of like understanding that I just need to be there for somebody, you know, in order for them to love me. I just need to be there for them for, you know, whatever they're going through. And whenever I would express pain, it was always, oh, you think that's bad? Well, let me one up you and tell you a story of of something, you know, different. So yeah, it's so crazy to get that, to understand that like healthy is being able to express your pain and the other person is able to you know, understand it, catch it, understand it, and then be able to give it back to you in in a loving way and say, you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all learned. It's all practiced. It's not something any of us, I'm going to, I guess I shouldn't speak for all of us, but for, for most people that I know, none of this is stuff that just comes naturally. It's a practice that takes constant effort. That's yeah. why love is hard. It, Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Practice. And it's and you, not easy either. Not always easy. And you both have to be into it together. Like, yeah. it can't just be one-sided, like we've all said. And I think a good example of that is just, you know, if you're not, like, good, in a good place when you meet that person, regardless of what's going on in your life, it's just, you can't, to quote, Taylor Tomlinson, you can't use another person as as a floaty, like an arm floaty. Like you're going to drown that other person if you're like, save me. So yeah. And and that's where like he's you know, like how somebody mentioned earlier about believing that love was like trying to save somebody. And it's like, yeah, you can't do that because then you're gonna end up like drowning yourself. You know, I mean, my girlfriend told me before we even got together, she was like, Listen, like I've worked for several years to get myself back to a healthy spot she's like and i love you but i'm just letting you know if you don't put in the effort like i can't i can't try to save you while i'm dragging myself down and it was like a, it was literally like a kick in the ass to just be like listen like get your stuff together and 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 put in the work and the participation because you know you can't take somebody just can't do that especially when somebody constantly works on themselves and i see that can't expect everybody to save you. Isn't this like a stabbing westward song, Save Yourself? Yeah. That's what I feel like it, exactly it, what we're discussing right yeah. now. <laughs> it, it, it so is. You say participant, and this is something I just, I just learned. And it had to do with an argument I had with my father. And it wasn't even an argument. I didn't, I didn't argue at all. I asked a couple of questions and... I started yelling at and and I was like what am I going to do about this and and I started to try and figure out and it, and it took me a couple of days and I was just like wait a minute because I almost got the courage up to try and have another conversation about it but I stopped myself because I was like wait a minute I'm not going to have another willing participant here mm-hmm. and if I don't have another willing participant I might as well be talking to myself. I'm going to actually damage this relationship more by bringing it up than I am if I just leave it alone. It would be just me looking for a resolution, not both parties trying to figure out what a resolution looks like. That I have willing participation. Don't in this instance. So... I decided that I wouldn't 
And then I decided I would set a boundary for myself as to how far I would go with certain things when it came to my father. And like boundaries are showing love, right? It's showing a respect for the relationship where we can still both exist in the same place. And this whole willing participant thing is, it was like one of my light bulb moments and it just happened not too, too long ago. And I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. And that's, that is part of very much part of love. If both parties are willing participants, even if it comes to my own self love, if I'm a willing participant in loving myself, I'm going to figure it out because I'm going to be honest with myself eventually even if the words don't come out of my mouth right yet. Because those sting and getting through, I'm just going to wrap this up now, getting through the hard things together, I think is a really wonderful thing. We've all learned a whole lot about ourselves so we could be that willing participant in our own lives and in the lives of others. One of the most wonderful, beautiful things is having conversations with another addict or alcoholic like yourselves, because I've seen so many recovered addicts that have huge, huge hearts. And so I want to say thank you, Jared. Thank you, Amber. And thank you, Jennifer, for joining us and having this loving conversation Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you guys for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thank you for asking. To our guests, thank you for being here with us today. If you really want to help us out, don't forget to rate and review Through the Glass Recovery podcast on whichever platform you're listening from. It's a big help to us and we really appreciate it.